This is Valor Radio. Valor, strength of mind and spirit that enables a person to face danger with resolve and determination in battle or in any other situation. Valor, like that displayed by veterans of every branch of the military throughout our community. This radio show, Valor Radio, salutes all of you who have raised your right hands to volunteer to protect and preserve our unique American way of life. Thanks for joining us and your brothers and sisters in uniform. When liberty is in jeopardy, I will always do what's right. I'm out here on the front lines, sleep in peace tonight, American soldiers. Now, Valor Radio. Well, hello and welcome, soldiers, sailors, airmen, marines, coasties, and guardians as well, and civilians serving by their side. Come on in here to the big tent of Valor Radio. Bob Savage here. Uh, Paul Simonelli, the colonel, is on vacation, taking some well-deserved time off. And uh, we have, of course, the captain, Steve Amato, in studio. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. Good to have you with us. Good to be uh, you're, here. So you're all prepared to like to fly solo here today. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm well, semi solo. My best. So we got a full show today. Yeah, we got a lot of stuff. In fact, um, I wanted to do a little bit of housekeeping first. Um, Valor Radio, we know, uh, honors our uh, uniformed service members and our veterans, and uh, especially our fallen heroes. And uh, over the course of the next couple months, we're going to be remembering the uh, battle for Okinawa, which took place '78 years ago uh, this month. Uh, it lasted from the 1st of April of 1945 until the 22nd of June of 45, and it was uh, the last great battle of World War II, and it took the lives of 54 of uh, Monroe County's finest. So yeah, You just researched this, too, didn't you? Yeah, well, I, I do, researched it a long time ago, from two, 2009 to 2015, um, but I just went back and counted them the other day, and I, I was just stunned. I didn't realize we'd lost that many people in one campaign but okinawa that's why i say that the atomic bomb was a blessing in the end because uh we were not we were losing more men at the end than uh, we were at the beginning well this is you know for those who are not uh, up on world war ii history and regretfully i think a lot of people are not taught about uh about you know our uh, our military victories and and the things that have preserved that uh the way of life that we have in this country but uh, this was the era in World War II when we were retaking the Pacific from the Japanese. And the Japanese were fighting maniacally. Is that a fair thing to say? Yep. They fought to the death. They they were not going to surrender. The Germans surrendered. If you could get the Germans surrounded and you could cut off their supplies and, and convince them that they weren't going to win, they'd say, okay, enough already. We've had it. We've had it. We're going to give up. But the Japanese did not. So there, it was uh, almost a... Uh, it was almost a, a faith dogma in uh, because the Shinto religion, the emperor is a is a religious figure, right? Right, yeah, he is. That's and not strictly a political uh, or military leader. In, in fact, when he um, when he came on radio to announce that they were surrender, they, they were going to surrender. That was the first time the Japanese had ever heard his voice. Right, that's right. Yeah, he didn't make personal appearances at no, all. Not then, no. Yeah. Okay. He was a god. He considered a god, descendant of God. Yeah. Exactly. And and just imagine what an invasion of the homeland would have been like if we had I, tried I to if we yeah. had tried to take the Japanese islands. You, you know who was in charge of the plan for the invasion of the home islands was Casper uh, Weinberger. 
when he was on MacArthur's staff, uh, I, I got this directly from a guy who was on MacArthur's staff, who's a friend of my dad's. He was in, um, he was a junior officer on, assigned to MacArthur's staff in the Philippines. He said that Cap Weinberger was a first lieutenant or a second lieutenant at the time, and they gave him one little office in, in, the, in Manila to do the plan for the home island invasion. And he had, like, I think one, one uh, the equivalent of a yeoman in the army, a clerk typist or whatever, just the two of them in the room together, and they closed the door, and that was it. Wow. Yeah. Holy moly. And, and I have seen estimates, you know, 400, 500,000 American casualties if, we had, if yeah. we had attempted it. If we had attempted it, right. Yeah, yeah it would have happened. Yeah. Probably, well, yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's really interesting. The subsequent uh, interviews of Harry Truman, who made the decision, you know, to, uh, to drop the bomb, mm-hmm. right on the heels of the death of uh, FDR, uh, they repeatedly asked him, you know, do you have any regrets about it? And he said, absolutely not. That's what I love about Harry Truman. He's a... Uh... He's a very decisive leader. He's also like the last like normal guy I think that became president in a lot of ways. He's just. Uh, you ever see the pictures of him with Best driving driving home to Missouri from absolutely the, yeah, and they're in their forty two Chrysler right, right. and they're just waving at everybody. Hey, how you doing? And you know that he they had no money. No, that, when, when they he didn't. when he left office, right. uh, I think his he had like a fifteen hundred dollar a year pension. Yeah, and he um, he had house a house that was in uh, disrepair. Apparently, they needed to fix the roof and all that stuff, and they didn't have the money to do it. Right. And uh, that was the beginning of, well, you know, we're going to start taking care of our – and now, of course, we've yeah. gone completely yeah. the other way. O- over the top, yeah. Yeah, he had no security. There was no, nobody guarded their home in Independence. Oh, my gosh, really? No, no Secret Service? Uh, if, if, there, well, if, if, if it was – if there was any, it was minimal and it was temporary. Isn't that something? Well, he's the guy I think you said, uh, you show me a politician who's a millionaire – and I'll show you a crook. Yeah. And he's right. Yes, he is. Okay, well, we're, um, you know, Paul's out today. Uh, we, we wish him well, and, and we know he's someplace warm, probably baking his chest. So uh, I'm going to stage something of a minor mutiny here and turn this microphone from Army Green to Navy Blue. And we're going to do He knew what was going to happen. He knew it. He knew it. <laughs> he, he's, a, he's got a good sense of humor, I hope. Um, we're going to do a final st- uh, segment here um, called Navy Movie Trivia, if we get time, uh, where I get to try to stump the king of all media, Dr. Bob Savage. So yeah, uh, I, stand by for that one. All right? Okay. All right. We're not doing that now, though. No, not, okay. not now. Right. Okay. Well, first, we're coming do, up. first thing we're going to do is uh, hopefully get it through it fairly quickly is acknowledge two events that occurred last week that we couldn't talk about because we didn't know the details yet. And they're, they're earth-shattering events in their own way. First was... The Trump indictment and booking and fingerprinting and all that step, stuff that happened in Manhattan. And the second is the release of the Biden administration report on the Afghanistan war withdrawal, which was a disaster and a debacle. Um, uh, in the first case, um, uh, Paul really wanted me to mention this. Um, I, I do a lot of Facebook stuff, just mostly to kill time. And, and while I'm taking care of my mom, she's got some health issues. So I, I'm on Facebook sometimes just posting stuff about the movies or whatever. But um, last week when, when we knew Donald Trump was going to be in, indicted, um, I knew it was a bad day for America. And the and, and first thing I thought about was John F. Kennedy, if you can believe it, because well, I'm a big fan of JFK even now. But um, I love John F. Kennedy's uh, Berlin Wall speech in 1963, summer of 63, and uh, Ich bin ein Berliner uh, speech. So I thought to myself, you know, um, I'm going to do a version of that uh, where I basically say, Heute, which is today, Heute bin ich Donald Trump. Today I am Donald Trump. 
And by that I meant if they can if they can indict and and uh, fingerprint and humiliate the 45th president of the United States, the former leader of the free world, the New York developer who did so many things for the city of New York all those years and is, you know, an icon uh, in, in pop culture. If they can do it to him, they sure as hell can do it to you and oh, me. Yeah. Well, Trump has said it. He said it, it's uh, it's they're not after me. They're after you. He That's said, exactly I'm ju- it. I'm just in their way. That's, he, he's just in the way. That's exactly it. And uh, I thought about that that day, and um, I just wanted people to know that, uh, you know, when he when you see him, you know, because I thought, you know, don't think of him as, you know, Donald Trump, big shot and millionaire. Think of him as you. What, what would you do, and how would you react to what's happening? And you have no voice. And he right now, he, he's, he has very little to say about what they're going to do to him. So, right. And then the second thing I wanted to talk about was that uh, Biden report on the Afghanistan war, which was just a disaster in so many uh, respects. Um, they had, it was only a 12-page report. It was a summary report. But in that 12 pages, they never had one acknowledgement that mistakes were made. They All they talked about was, um, you know, uh, they could have done some things better, but uh, overall it was a well-conceived uh, and well-executed uh, uh, withdrawal, which it was not. Did Lloyd Austin write that thing? You wonder. You, you wonder if uh, who they got to write that thing. I, I mean, you have to have some kind of cognitive dissonance or something to to to, to think that you could put that on paper because everybody could see it. I mean, the, the 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 images from that period are just horrendous. And um, I mean, we lost thirteen souls. Uh, you know, um, you know, and, and their families uh, grieve for them, and we grieve for them. But we also um, left behind eighty. I think it was $80 billion worth of hardware, mm-hmm. which gives the uh, Afghan army like the second largest military force in the region. Oh, yeah. It's insane what we did. I'm surprised we didn't leave behind, you know, like some uh, some instructors to teach them how to use <laughs> no. it. You know, <laughs> it's most true. efficient way to handle this. Well, I think somebody said that about the helicopters we were leaving. Don't worry about it. There's no way they could fly these things because they, they, they couldn't fly these. They're, they're too complicated. They were flying them, and within four hours, they were up doing donuts in the air. Yeah. Uh, it was it was pretty ridiculous. We should have dropped a Moab on that uh, embassy. Yes, we should have. And we had them, and we could have done it, and we, we didn't. So. So anyway, that's that's those are the two issues I wanted to talk about. All right, and well, then um, there's a an so article that came out during the the uh, the uh, the week that uh, you brought to my attention. I wanted you to discuss that a little bit. Yeah, you know, what? let's do that when we uh, we have this time to take a break here. So uh, let's go uh, go to break, and then uh, we'll uh, we'll be back in here with more of Valor Radio without the Colonel. Uh, but we got the Captain, and uh, it's all under control. Love me warm and tender, dear. Love me warm and tender, dear Love me so just as though I'm the 
your go-to for standard of specialized business insurance coverage. MGM Associates of Rochester, now serving the region and beyond in New York. Since 1984, MGM has provided leading coverage from a wide range of carriers. Not only home, condo, boat, motorcycle, and auto, but also specialized policies for all types of businesses, including nonprofits and law firms, livery insurance, property insurance, and bonds for all needs. MGM Associates of Rochester provides auto, workers' comp, health care, and liability coverage. Choose from virtual appointments or good old in-office, in-person consults by appointment at our Penfield office. Five-time consecutive winner of the National Best Practices Award, MGM is proud to support veterans groups. For your personal business, home, or professional insurance needs, meet the experienced staff at MGM Associates. Locally and proudly owned at 1745 Penfield Road in Penfield, 381-7008 or mgminsure.com. An associate of Ontario Insurance Company, 28 Canandaigua Street in Shortsville. What a crazy couple of years we've had. Everybody's fighting. Inflation is causing all kinds of havoc. We have people on television and on radio telling us how much we should hate other people because they think differently than you do. We all need to sit back for a moment and just take a breath. Remember what we like about others, not what makes us mad about them. Most times I feel like we all want what's best for our families in America, but we just have different ways of going about it. My mother had a way of just taking a simple pleasure, like taking a bite from her favorite sandwich and saying, ah, this is good. For me, the Orioles may have a winning season. This is good. Oh, if you feel you want to talk about your current investment planning, estate planning, or life insurance, we're right in Penfield at A.M. Ginsburg Advisory Group, 585-377-4720. I feel better already. Securities offered through Securities America, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered through Securities America Advisors, Inc., AM Ginsburg Advisory Group, and Securities America companies are separate entities. Join Abate Monroe County, American bikers aimed toward education and help adult bikers ride free and safe. Check out our meetings on the third Friday monthly at Wise Guys Diner and Catering, 2811 Dewey Avenue. Join Abate for less than 50 cents a week. Google Abate Monroe County on the web. Hey, how about becoming a member of the National Warplane Museum in Geneseo, New York? Help us preserve history. Plus, you get some pretty fancy benefits. Visit us online, nationalwarplanemuseum.com. From Niagara Falls to the Adirondacks and from Canada to Pennsylvania, you're listening to Valor Radio. And that last commercial reminds me, boy, we got the air, air shows uh, coming up here very shortly, so can't believe how fast the time goes. Uh, back in here with Valor Radio, Bob Savage, along with the captain, Steve Mamano. Uh, Paul is uh, uh, sunning himself someplace uh, very warm, and we wish him well. So, uh, let's see, we, we want to do uh, some VDH here, uh, yeah, Captain? Absolutely. Okay. You, you I just, go ahead. Go should right I fire ahead. away here? Sure. All right. So Victor Davis Hansen, who is a, a pundit and a, a great a great commentator, you read him in Epic Times and all over the place, uh, he uh, he uh, submitted this to American Greatness, and it's called Our French Revolution, and we thought it would be uh, it's a little lengthy, but it's definitely worthwhile sharing, so uh, we're going to share that with you now. Uh, we're in a Jacobin revolution of the sort that in 1793-94 nearly destroyed France, and things are getting scary. The Democratic Party vanished sometime in 2020. It was absorbed by hard-left ideologues. They were bent on radically altering or hijacking existing institutions to force radical equality of result agendas that otherwise do not earn majority support. The American people want affordable power and fuel and energy autonomy. They do not want a Green New Deal that results in dependence on the Middle East. They want fiscal sobriety. Ha! 
Not a permanent stagflationary economy marked by bank failures, soaring interest rates, crony capitalism, and subsidies for those who choose not to work. They know no country can exist without a border, much less while offering blank checks to foreign cartels that kill 100,000 Americans yearly. They demand realist deterrence abroad, not the current woke military whose erosion is spelling the end of American credibility and global stability. Radicalists are eerily embracing discredited neo-Confederate notions of racial uh, racial chauvinism, discrimination, segregation, and the old one-drop rule of racial obsession. They're turning America towards a balkanized war of all against all. Boy, is that true. Uh, to implement such an unpopular program, the new left must radically alter our institutions. So the, quote, Democrats periodically threaten to pack the courts and the filibuster, destroy the Electoral College, and override the state's prerogatives to establish balloting it's laws. It's all starting to make sense, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, th- this is this is all just plain. And probably if you were to talk to some of these woke people, they would admit it. Mm-hmm. Uh, They deny the committee assignments of the House Minority Leader. They engage in stunts like tearing up the State of the Union address on national television. (laughs) With impunity, they mob the homes of Supreme Court justices to leverage their decisions, uh, all while uh, uh, what's-his-face sits on his hands there. Mm -hmm. Thank God we didn't get him on the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. Uh, This revolution is run by elites and is a top-down operation. University deans all but prompt students to disrupt invited campus speakers. District attorneys release violent arrested criminals without bail. Woke generals call their Chinese counterparts to warn them against their own commander-in-chief. The Pentagon lectures the country on its supposed innate racism, even as the United States continues to lose wars abroad, abandons billions of dollars of equipment to terrorists, like we just talked about, Mm -hmm. and allows communist China to surveil domestic American military bases with complete impunity. Words change their meanings. This is a favorite of the left, by the way, changing the meanings of words. Racist now means don't dare object. White became the pejorative stereotype used by racists. Hmm. Diversity means tired orthodoxy. Equity is a synonym for bias. Inclusion ensures exclusion. Institutions are no longer recognizable. The FBI, as we knew it, no longer exists. Three former FBI directors either lied under oath to federal investigators or pleaded amnesia in congressional testimonies. Our highest former national intelligence officers lied under oath to the Senate. The IRS is weaponized against political opponents of the Democrats. The Department of Justice is more likely to send the FBI after grammar school parents than mobs threatening the homes of Supreme Court justices. Still, to thoroughly erase America, our Jacobins must radically alter our customs and traditions. So under cover of the COVID quarantines, Election Day was made irrelevant. In the new America, 70% did not vote on the designated day, but fueled by third-party vote harvesting and relaxation of audits of non-election day ballots, extended the vote over a period of weeks. Like the Jacobins, names and dates had to be radically transformed. 1619, not 1776, is now America's birth date, and we are told it is an ignominious one. Statues are toppled, careers Trotskyized, biological males suddenly have hijacked women's sports, destroying five decades of women's hard-won efforts to achieve equal treatment and respect in athletics. What triggered the collective madness in this Jacobin takeover? The left's perfect storm of the 120 days of riot, death, and arson and looting of 2020, the COVID pandemic, the disastrous two-year lockdown, the 2016 election of outsider Donald Trump, all of these catalysts and more. 
As the country collapses under leftist nihilism, the revolution's last gasp is to destroy Donald Trump by empowering him. That is, the leftist legal vendetta is designed to win him just enough empathy to be nominated the Republican Party's presidential candidate, but then to keep on indicting, gagging, and hemorrhaging him legally until Election Day 2024. Trump was the first president to be impeached twice, to be tried by the Senate as a private citizen, and to have his private home raided by the FBI. Now he's the first president to have been indicted, effectively ending America's moral authority abroad. America now has three potential futures, and two are bad. Uh, This is important, so heads up on this. Okay, the first future. The Jacobins will have two more years to finish what they started as the founder's dream descends into our worst nightmare. Second, the revolution has so warped our legal system, our voting on Election Day, and the FBI, the CIA, the Justice Department, and the IRS, that even a despised, unpopular left will, quote, win elections. The third is that New York prosecutor Alan Bragg has jumped the shark. His pathetic prosecution is so patently incoherent, illiberal, and in-spirit anti-American that two-thirds of the country will soon conclude the center is not holding The Jacobins' reign of terror is unsustainable, and so in 2024, the left will not only be defeated, but so defeated it is utterly discredited. That choice is ours. Yeah, and that's the one that we we hope for, that that sanity will prevail. Yeah, you know, uh, VDH is a great commentator and a great analyst. Uh, He's not a prophet. No. Uh, so I think the likely the likely thing here is we're going to get some kind of a mixture of those three. Uh, but it, but the one thing that's definitely true and immutable in that uh, that last piece that we just read, uh, I was doing my Tucker Carlson imitation there by reading VDH. Uh, it's uh, um, I, I think that uh, it is up to us. We have to we have to make a choice here. We have to get involved. So, you know, where are the organizations now as the left continues their march through the institutions? Where, where are the civil rights groups? Where are all the, uh, the, 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 the outfits that are supposed to be looking out for our uh, basic, uh, basic rights as Americans? We're on the radio saying this stuff, folks. Uh, where, where are the churches? Where are the churches? Where, 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 are, are, the, where are the police uh, organizations? Where are the police forces? Where are the police unions? Hmm. Where are... Uh, the churches, as I've said, uh, where are the Republicans? Yeah, well, the Republicans in New York are a different kind of animal, I think. Well, we got Cox back in charge, yeah, we so do. that's yeah. uh, that's all we needed. Yeah. Well, we're gonna we're gonna follow that because uh, Victor Davis Hanson is uh, pretty uh, pretty pretty much on top of things, and uh, and every time he speaks, uh, people listen, and I I know I do. Uh, and I'm glad you were able to find that article because it, it kind of crystallizes everything we're we're sort of feeling right now. Well, our good friend uh, uh, Dennis Grinnett of uh, Get Gun Smart sent that along. He sends me uh, daily updates and tidbits and things. Uh, a lot of uh, like I, a lot of folks out there send me like little video clips and what have you. And quite honestly, folks, I get 400 emails a day, and I can't watch all that stuff. Oh, There's no way I can watch I it. Not. I appreciate that. But stuff that comes from Dennis and anything that uh, comes from American Spectator uh, or Turning Point, uh, mm-hmm. that gets my attention. By the way, if you're looking for somebody to support, uh, Charlie Kirk and Turning Point is doing incredible work yeah. on college campuses. Yeah, he sure is. It's got gutsy stuff, too. Like, these college campuses are... They are a seething, you know, 
hellhole rotting of, yes of yeah. of lies yeah and uh, they're, they're and he goes right into the belly of the beast yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. And, and they do it with class, and they do they it do. with uh, legally. Mm-hmm. And uh, boy, some of those kids are really—they're—they're uh, they're getting their—they're uh, head handed to them on yeah. these college campuses. They are very courageous. Bad time, bad time for colleges right now. Turning point, USA. Yep. Now, do you want to go to the break, or do you want to just go right in? Well, we got to—we uh, got to kill another minute and a half here to fill out this segment. All right. Well, uh, but- you know—you know, um, Charlie Kirk. Um, yeah, have you been watching this uh, this business with this uh, swimmer uh, uh, who was attacked at uh, San Francisco uh, State University? Yep. Isn't that just horrible? What, what's happening to her? She's incredibly brave uh, in her own way for standing up to this uh, trans—I um, don't know what you want to call it. It's just insane. Uh, but uh, right now, uh, uh, Charlie is—you uh, know—he's—he's he's on the front lines, going into places like that, and. Uh, I think that um, we're gonna we're gonna see more of that. I don't think we're even in the in the worst part of it yet. I think we're just getting started. Well, uh, I'm sorry to say I agree with you. <laughs> I wish I I wish I could disagree, but I can't. Anyway, uh, more to come here on Valor Radio uh, with uh, with Bob and the Captain. WYSL stations. Get the podcast WYSL1040.com. Keep us so near while apart. I'm not alone in the night. When I can have all the From Niagara Falls to the Adirondacks and from Canada to Pennsylvania, you're listening to Valor Radio. Hey, we are back in here with the Captain Steve Mamano uh, and yours truly, Bob Savage. Thanks so much for joining us for Valor Radio. Paul Simonelli is, we would say, on assignment, but we're more honest than that. He's goofing off. Yeah. So we'll, and, we'll and, let him. Yeah, that's fine. So well, we, you, know, you know, Paul loves his army, and and uh, that's great because we love the army too. But uh, today we're going to talk about the Navy and something I know a little bit about. Um, the American public has a perception about the U.S. Navy's size and capability that in some cases is uh, inaccurate. So I wanted to set the, a little bit set a record straight on that. Bob Savage, how many ships do you think the U.S. Navy has? Take a guess. Uh, didn't we t- just talk about that? Isn't it about uh, 300? Yes. Good, good, good guess. Pretty close. When I first joined the Navy in 84, the U.S. Navy was about uh, 500 and something ships on its way to a 600-ship Navy. We almost got there. I found out that we ended up uh, getting to 594. So that's pretty close. Today, the U.S. fleet consists of 296 deployable ships. Good guess. Whoa! Yeah, 296. And we're going in the wrong direction. We're, We're expected to drop to 280 by 2027. And even under the best scenario, which is the 30-year shipbuilding plan for the Navy, we'd only grow to 320 ships by 2045. This would defy a congressional mandate, so much for that, that uh, the fleet would not fall below 355 total ships. Now, Admiral Mike Gilday, Mike, my Navy is not in crisis, Gilday, says his planners are shooting for 373 ships, manned ships. Remember, Gilday is the big proponent of 
unmanned ships, and he wants 40% of the fleet to be unmanned by 2040. What is, what is the point of an unmanned ship? I don't understand. Well, uh, then you, you, can, you can send it in harm's way and not have to risk crews. Okay, so this is the nautical equivalent of a drone. Of a drone. Yeah, that's what it is, yeah. Like a like a, a predator or whatever, but uh, and, it, and and they have their own weapons, and uh, we we would uh, I guess it's it's nice if you're risk averse, and uh, and we are so. Uh, are, we, are, we, are we not just providing targets for the enemy? It's uh, just a well. Up. It depends on the, the weapon systems. We think our weapon systems are better, but uh, pretty soon uh, we're going to find out that the Chinese weapon systems are pretty damn good too. Now, Admiral Gilday likes to talk about all the new ship construction that will occur if he can just get the Congress to go along with uh, his funding. Hey, can I stop for just a quick sec- yeah. qu- Quick question as we go along on this yeah. story. How did we get down to 296 ships? How did that happen? We're just uh, well, one, one, through attrition? One is, uh, through, well, uh, um, our ships are obsolescing. We, had, we pulled a lot of ships out of uh, commission in the 90s, in the, 80, uh, the, the 90s. Not, not the 80s so much. We put a lot of ships in the fleet in the 80s, but in the 90s we started pulling them out in the 2000s. And we really didn't have a reason to take them out of, out of uh, commission. They were in fairly good material condition. I think we just wanted the, the the fleet to be smaller and leaner, so we could spend the money on things like habitability mm. and uh, you know other uh, and medical coverage and stuff like that. But, uh, because honestly, we've been trying to save money somewhere, but you can't do it at the expense of the fleet. The whole fleet is the whole reason why right. you have a navy. I mean, that's that, that's that's the first item on the shopping list. Right. Uh, we have a trillion dollar uh, military budget. Yeah. So why are we building ships? I well we're not. We're, well we do we do have a potential of building ships. We have 50 ship 56 ships now under construction and another 76 under contract to be built. But being under construction, you know, it's like, you know, it's not not the same. You got to you got to deploy the ship. You got to you got to launch it. You got to take it in sea trials and and get it out there. Like right now the Chinese are actually um they're so determined to get their third carrier in the in the in the mix right now, to to, to uh, you know defy us, that they're they're taking a carrier that was recently commissioned. Not, well, I'm not, I don't know if it's been commissioned. It's been it's been launched and it's got, undergone sea trials. It's right in the middle of its sea trial phase, and they're deploying it during sea trial phase. That's pretty bold stuff. We well, wouldn't do that. It uh, bespeaks of some urgency. We've got 11 aircraft carriers? We have 11 right now. That's correct. And they have uh, – this is the third one that they're, they're putting to sea now. So, And they're building a lot, uh, a lot quicker than we are. In fact, um, they have about 360 ships right now, so they're the biggest fleet in the world. And uh, they've passed us in shipbuilding capability and their uh, in sh- uh, shipyard uh, construction, and they're uh, tracking along to uh, 440 ships by the year 2030. So it's going to be an enormous navy within a, within a decade. What are they sh- building? A lot? Do they build things like destroyers and things. They're building. They're building uh, capital ships. They're building warships. They're not just building, you know, tankers. And they're you know they have those things, but their emphasis is on on combatants. They're building carriers. They're building cruisers, destroyers, uh, missile boats. I mean, they're. And now they've actually created uh, bases where there were none in the South China Sea. So. You know, hats off to them. I, I, I hate to be the one to, to uh, um, you know, I'm not praising them, but I'm, I'm acknowledging that they've done some pretty radical things and they've made a dent in the, 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 the problem. And right now, uh, 
we're on, on the defensive, and we're not we're not keeping pace with them, unfortunately. Now, a lot of our Valor Radio listeners are Navy veterans who served prior to the 1991 Gulf War, and their recollection of the Navy is considerably different than the reality of what it is today. I just wanted to talk about where the Navy is today and where it's not. First of all, where it's not. The Navy is not in Boston. It's not in New York. It's not in San Francisco, and it's not in Philadelphia. Those were all iconic Navy bases in the, in the back in the day. They're all gone. They've yeah, all Brooklyn Navy Yard. And- Brooklyn's all yeah. They don't have anything in, the, in New York anymore. The closest they came to New York was in the '90s, early '90s, just before they they pulled the battleships out of commission. There was a battleship battle group that was slated to go into Staten Island. They built the whole facility for for the USS, I believe it was the Iowa at the time. And then the Iowa incident occurred, and that was the end of the battleship. And they and besides, uh, they, they had decided to, to keep it uh, down in Virginia, I think, at the time, because the mayor of New York, David Dinkins, decided that he was not going to bring a, a nuclear, uh, uh, any kind of nuclear-powered ships up there. After the Iowa went away, they said, well, we'll bring another ship up there, maybe a carrier. He said, no, I don't want any nuclear ships up in New, in, in New York. So that was the end of that. Yeah. And uh, that's uh, that's the kind of leadership that we saw from David Dinkins. And boy, could you see it in New York City back in the 70s. Yeah. I, oh, I, my gosh. I, I hear bad things about the way the conditions that existed. Oh, that, that was the low point. That, that was when, you know, Times Square <clears throat> was all porn theaters right. and litter and graffiti right. and Before violence. Before Rudy Giuliani and his uh, broken windows theory, huh? Yep, exactly. Yeah. Now, um, it's worthwhile to examine uh, what the Navy looks like in the year 2023 20, and understand what it does and what it doesn't do. Now, the biggest naval uh, base in the world is Naval Station Norfolk, Virginia. It's uh, established in 1917, and it's the world's largest naval uh, installation. And it has, uh, right now, houses around 75 ships, which doesn't sound like a lot, but uh, that's our biggest base. Then we have Naval Station Pearl Harbor, Hawaii established in 1908, which is the home of the U.S. Pacific Fleet. Only 11 surface ships, but 19 submarines. There's a a nice uh, uh, submarine base uh, adjacent to it. Naval Station Jacksonville, Florida, established in 1940, is the third largest naval base. It's the biggest in the southeastern region, and it's home to 53,000 sailors and DOD civilians and contractors. It's our major uh, anti-submarine warfare base. Naval Base San Diego, California, was established in 1922. It's the fourth largest base, and 57 ships of the U.S. Navy and the U.S. Coast Guard and the Military Sea Lift Command are uh, uh, home-ported there. It also uh, is home to 48,000 military and civilian personnel. Here's one I didn't know about. It's called Naval Base Kitsap, Washington, recently established by combining Naval Station Bremerton, and submarine base Bangor, Washington. So they, it's an, a conglomeration of those two, and also is affiliated with Puget Sound Naval Shipyard. Um, U.S. Fleet Activity Yokosuka, Japan, established 1945. This is actually pretty big. It's our biggest forward deployed fleet contingent. Sixty ships. I had no idea it was that big. It, that's a big, a big forward deployment. I had no idea uh, that big a chunk of our fleet was forward deployed. It includes the uh, USS Ronald Reagan, which is home ported in Yokosuka. They treat it like it's their ship, too. And uh, um, the Japanese do a remarkable job. Um, so I'm, I'm sure right now they're wondering why all these Americans are there and we're not really protecting them from the North Koreans or from China. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. Hope springs eternal. 
Yes, it does. Now, um, uh, and with respect to naval aviation, NAS Corpus Christi, Texas, is our major aviation training base, which produces about 600 naval aviators per year. It uh, employs 43,000 military personnel uh, and uh, civilian personnel. They still call these NAS? Naval Air Station, yeah. correct. Versus a naval air facility, versus a naval station. They all have, they all have their own meaning. Naval Station Mayport, Florida, established 1942, is a very important uh, naval base, uh, has been during uh, crises uh, during history, including the Cuban Missile Crisis, Operation Desert Shield, Desert Storm, Desert Fox, and Operation Allied Force, you know, the the ones in Afghanistan and then before that, Iraq. Um, as far as recruitment goes, uh, they used to have, when I first got in the Navy, there were three bases that did recruitment, recruit training, Great Lakes, Illinois, uh, Orlando, Florida, where the females were trained, uh, uh, and also some and males and, uh, San Diego, California. But now there's only one, um, prior to, uh, uh, Naval Station, Great Lakes, Illinois was established in 1902. Prior to 1881, sailors did on-the-job training when they got to a ship. They basically learned their rating, and um, that's how they that's how they were trained in those days. But uh, then uh, the U.S. opened a sailor training base at Newport, Rhode Island later on. And by 1902, Navy leadership concluded that its best seamen came from the Midwest, of all places. That's so, funny. Yeah, so they established NTC Great Lakes in North Chicago, Illinois, in the center of the country. All right, let's take a quick break here, and then we'll continue with more uh, all things naval here this morning. With, of course, it stands for reason with uh, Captain Steve Amano. He's standing now for this. We'll be back on Valor Radio on the WYSL stations. Two for standard of specialized business insurance coverage. MGM Associates of Rochester, now serving the region and beyond in New York. Since 1984, MGM has provided leading coverage from a wide range of carriers. Not only home, condo, boat, motorcycle, and auto, but also specialized policies for all types of businesses, including nonprofits and law firms, livery insurance, property insurance, and bonds for all needs. MGM Associates of Rochester provides auto, workers' comp, health care, and liability coverage. Choose from virtual appointments or good old in-office in-person consults by appointment at our Penfield office. Five-time consecutive winner of the National Best Practices Award. MGM is proud to support veterans groups. For your personal business, home, or professional insurance needs, meet the experienced staff at MGM Associates. Locally and proudly owned at 1745 Penfield Road in Penfield, 381-7008 or mgminsure.com. An associate of Ontario Insurance Company, 28 Canandaigua Street in Shortsville. Hi, I'm Alan Ginsberg of the A.M. Ginsberg Advisory Group, LLC. I know a lot of you have heard enough of my ad regarding business continuation. We started this campaign in September 2020, and I want you to know the response has just been tremendous. The best part is that we're seeing the results of our efforts. Business owners who have been procrastinating on how to make sure their business continues on a successful path are starting to make the changes that are needed. Whether it be talking to their children, key employees, or favorite competitors, they are starting to get things done. 
on, making sure that their life's work doesn't just go by the wayside. Give us a call at 585-377-4720. We'll sit down and talk, find out what your business and family goals are. That's 585-377-4720. Thank you. Securities offered through Securities America, Inc. Member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered through Securities America Advisors, Inc. AM Ginsburg Advisory Group and the Securities America companies are separate entities. As a veteran of the United States military, I can finally get the opportunity to enjoy special events, things that we couldn't afford, thanks to Ventix. Every empty seat at a concert, a game, or a play is a missed opportunity to say thanks to a veteran and service member. We can give our veterans a special event where they, too, can create their own cherished memories. Visit VetTix.org. Find out how you can make a difference in a veteran's life. You're listening to Fallow Radio with Colonel Paul Simonelli. Back in here with Captain Steve Amano and yours truly, Bob Savage, on Fallow Radio. All right. We were talking about Naval Station Great Lakes, Illinois, where they train recruits. Uh, by 1902, the Navy uh, leadership concluded that they needed to establish a Midwestern naval base in the center of the country to train their, their recruits. And that happened for a long time. Then World War II occurred, and they were training recruits all over the place in World War II. They had, you know, had one right out here in uh, Geneva, 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 Illinois. Geneva, Lake. Yeah, Geneva New York. Uh, Seneca Lake. Yeah, Seneca. Samson, Navy Samson. And uh, quite a few others in the country. But uh, after the war, there was demobilization. And then they all settled on uh, just a few. And in 1993, Naval Training Center San Diego and Orlando were closed, and Great Lakes became the only recruit training facility. So, uh, and that's where they are today. They, they, and most of what they do is is indoors. They, they, they're completely uh, independent of the weather. Uh, it's a completely self-contained outfit. So, and finally, um, Naval Base. Uh, Naval Submarine Base, New London, Connecticut, is the home of the submarine force. It was established in 1868 and started out as a Navy yard and a depot. But uh, by the turn of the century, when the technology started catching up with submarines, that was where the first submarines deployed. So you'll hear people talk about uh, Groton, Connecticut. Groton's right uh, right down the road. Right. That's where the big uh, the big bases are. Electric and, boat. Yep, electric boat. Now the Navy has seven active numbered fleets. I'm not going to name them. Uh, they're all geographic area fleets, except for the tenth fleet, which is a re- relatively new thing, which is uh, cyber uh, fleet cyber command. Uh, Nineteen thousand active and reserve sailors. And it's headquartered at Fort Meade, Maryland. So the, the other fleets are, have their own headquarters, and they've been around for a long time, 3rd Fleet, 7th Fleet, 6th uh, Fleet. Uh, and that's where the Navy uh, um, basically does its business in, in those areas. And um, I wanted to mention the icebreaker thing because we talked about it earlier. But um, the U.S. is woefully inadequate in the field of icebreakers. We only have two at the moment. One of them is uh, a medium-sized icebreaker called it's the Coast Guard has icebreakers, not the Navy. Uh, so there are no Navy icebreakers anymore. So the days of USS Glacier and all those other ones are, are, are over with. Uh, the Coast Guard has something called the Healy, which is in the uh, workhorse of our fleet currently, which can break ice up to eight feet in uh, in um, thickness. And then the the main one that we uh, used to have is the Polar Star, which is 399 feet and um, can break ice up to 21 feet. There's just one problem. The um, 
Polar Star broke down in 2010 and hasn't put to sea since. But they fix it. <laughs> well, Paul was saying, and I, and I believe it, that the, they won't transfer people, uh, permanent change of station of people, uh, off that ship. And I think that's actually insane. I mean, oh, the, yeah, because of, uh, yeah, kind of like a legacy thing. Yeah, so get some tech reps to run it or something, but yeah, it's not on. really a ship anymore. Yeah. Uh, the fix, fix the thing put it, yeah. put it to sea. Well, we're going to go right into Navy trivia so we can stump the the uh, the expert here yeah well you'll stump me a lot probably well, maybe is, maybe uh, but uh, anyway i want to start off with a piece of music from uh, set this up for us oh from well, king's row king's row is a 1941 film from warner brothers um starring robert cummings ronald reagan and, and ann sheridan and claude rains of course and it's uh, an amazing period piece from the turn of the century or early 1900s and uh, the music for it was uh, composed by w- Eric Wolfgang Korngold, who uh, is a remarkable uh, composer. Who you may be, you may remember the the uh, theme from the FBI. Da-da, da-da, remember that one? Yeah, that was his. And when you used to see uh, Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. pulling away in his Mustang, that was Korngold's music. So, all right. Hey, so here's it, the, here's the theme. This is these are the opening credit. Uh, uh, this is the opening credit music from King's Row, 1941. I hear it. Yep. Yeah. So it's tell a, the story. Yeah. Well, uh, first of all, Ronald Reagan, who uh, was one of the lead parts in the film, requested that that be played at his inauguration, uh, and it was. And uh, the, that's that theme inspired, you know, the ubiquitous John Williams, uh, who's uh, done all the Spielberg music. I believe it now. And that was the inspiration for the Star Wars theme. It, it's beautiful. It, it, I get chills just listening to it. Yeah, it's fantastic. Well, we're going to do trivia now. All right, here we all go. Right, here we go and, I'll uh, give it my level, but we got two right. minutes. Okay, <laughs> question one. Each of the following actors portrayed uh, a U.S. Navy submarine skipper on the silver screen, but only one did it in two different movies. Was it Clark Gable, Gregory Peck, Cary Grant, Glenn Ford, or John Wayne? Mm, John Wayne. Incorrect. 
John Wayne did it once in Operation Pacific. Glenn Ford did it once in Torpedo Run. Gregory Peck did it once in On the Beach. And Clark Gable did it in Run Silent, Run Deep. The answer is Cary Grant, who was the skipper of the Sea Tiger in Operation Petticoat and of the other submarine in uh, Destination Tokyo. Told you, told you I stink at this, but go ahead. Okay. PT-109 was a 1963 Warner Brothers biopic about the World War II exploits of Lieutenant J.G. John F. Kennedy and the crew of the PT boat that was lost in a night collision off the Solomon Islands in August 43. Warner Brothers uh, wanted to capitalize on the popularity of JFK, uh, and even solicited input from the president himself about who should uh, portray him in the film. In the end, Canadian-born actor Cliff Robertson got the nod over several other up-and-coming stars at Warner Brothers. Which of the following actors was not considered for the part? Jeffrey Hunter, Peter Fonda, Ed Cookie Burns, Chad Everett, or Robert Culp? Ed Cookie Burns, a scholar. No. Really? He was <laughs> actually him seriously to play JFK yeah, with his comb. Oh yeah, um, yeah. It was uh, Robert Culp uh, was the the answer. He was he was actually cast in the part of Jack Kennedy's uh, buddy George Barney Ross. Okay, we got to, we're going to have to wrap it up. Unfortunately, I think we're running out of time. All right, well we'll do this another time. Yeah, we can, we can pick up and do some more of this uh, because it's uh, like an evergreen thing. Uh, but I, I just yeah, so, so many of these films I haven't seen, and uh, I'm sorry to say that, but uh, there, there's so many to see. It's right? all right. It's all right. We'll do it again. Well, good job this week. Hey, you I appreciate did great. it. A lot, a lot of prep went into this. Appreciate yeah, all, all right. your hard no, work. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, we appreciate doing the Valor Radio for you guys. Thanks so much for joining us, and uh, please say a prayer for our uh, service members uh, serving overseas domestically and uh, their support in form of their families and their friends working by their sides. Say a prayer for them and for the United States of America. We'll see you next week on Valor Radio. Yeah, I'm dressed up for success From my head down to my boots I don't do it for the money There's bills that I can't pay I don't do it for the glory I just do it anyway